0: Good morning. So I wish you a happy Halloween, but also a happy Reformation Day. And Reformation Day, we're talking about an event that happened 504 years ago, which given in church terms, it's pretty recent, right? Most of our holidays are about things that happened 2,000 years ago, so 504 does not seem that far away. But let's be honest, we really don't care that much about things that old. I mean, our country's not even nearly that old. And so what happened 504 years ago that was so important? Well, a monk and university professor named Martin Luther uh, posted on the church door, which is like the town bulletin board, that he wanted to hold a debate about an obscure theological topic. Thrilling stuff. Now, I'm a university professor. I teach at Concordia University. I teach Old Testament. And this is something we do. This is part of the trade. You know, we, we hold debates. We have lectures. We talk about obscure theological Uh, things that are important to us, things that are topical to us. And that's what he's doing. He's getting at something that was very much in the minds of the people about what is the nature of uh, repentance and forgiveness. But he struck a nerve. He struck a nerve, and he had no idea when he did this that a few years later he would be kicked out of the church as a heretic, he would be made a fugitive on the run from the law from the Holy Roman Emperor, and that he'd become the leader of a movement that would last to the present day. And so Martin Luther has certainly changed the world. Uh, for example, last time Time magazine decided to mess around with this, they said, what are the 100 most influential people of the last 1,000 years? And Martin Luther, well, what do you think he rated on the list? you want know, have guesses? Uh, can I guess anyone? How, you know, one to 100, what do you think he rates? Not 100, he's, he's better than that. 2 we're getting close. It's three. He ranks third, right after Johann Gutenberg, you know, the inventor of the printing press, and Isaac Newton, who revolutionized physics. So that, that's pretty good company to be put in. Okay, so he's important, but why is he important to us? Why is he relevant now to talk about this man from long ago? I see my daughter's raising her hand. I, I admire your pluck, but I'm going to actually keep going. <laughs> so why is he relevant to us now? You know, we could, like, do like the late-night talk shows do and go on the street and ask the man on the street, why is Martin Luther relevant today? And you'd probably get some really interesting answers. I won't do that to you because I don't want to put you on the spot, but you know, here's the answers that I've heard you know, as a professor. Well, Martin Luther is important because of all of his work in the Civil Rights Movement in the 1960s. Okay, that's the wrong Martin Luther. That's Martin Luther King, Jr., a wonderful, important person, but not who we're talking about today. Named after him, though, of course. Others will say, well, Martin Luther, he was like a, a free thinker, and an individualist. He stood up to the Pope, he stood up to the Emperor and said, we don't have to listen to your authority. We as individuals can decide for ourselves what's right. Others will say, who's Martin Luther? Why is he important? Well, he's a great hero of the German people. He standardized the German language. He was a hero of kind of unifying German culture. And he really was the beginning of German nationalism, which all of a sudden is a very scary thing. Others will say, who is Martin Luther? Well, Martin Luther was this incredible musician who brought singing into our churches. Who is Martin Luther? They'll say Martin Luther was a very, very holy man who did some very important things. Others will totally disagree with that and say, no, he was a drunk and an anti-Semite, and he's completely irrelevant to us today. And you know, all of these things that I said are at least partially true. There is an element of truth in all of them, but I think they're all reductive. They all miss out on what's actually important about Martin Luther, why I actually care about what he says, and why I think you should care about what he had to say. You see, Martin Luther really was just a man. He would say to himself that he was no one that special. He was in the right place at the right time. But he was in the right place in the right time with the right question. And that's really what I want to point out here, is that he had a question that drove him, a question that almost drove him mad but a question whose answer i think is incredibly relevant to us today here's the question martin luther posed how can a righteous god perfect and holy ever be right with unrighteous people people who are sinful people who are broken how can that ever be a good relationship if he is perfect and we are imperfect he is righteous and we are not now, a lot of people in his day said, Martin Luther, chill out. I mean, seriously, uh, why would God expect such a heavy burden of you? They would say, I think God will probably forgive you if you do your best. Like, if you tried really hard, do everything you're able to do, God will say, ah, close enough. But Martin Luther said, no, this is an excuse. That's a game, right? Because if God is really perfect, if he really is in every way without any imperfection, how could he tolerate any imperfection in us? This is a God who gave us our conscience. Have you ever checked your conscience lately? It's unrelenting. It feels a little pangs even when there's perfectly good reasons you have explain to your conscience why it shouldn't be bothering you, but it still does. Because the conscience is completely uncompromising. And isn't the God who gave us that conscience just as uncompromising? Doesn't he expect absolute perfection? I mean, put it in different terms, if a parent didn't really care how their kids turned out. A parent didn't care if they were good people or bad people. Who cares? Would you consider them a good parent? No. No, we we want our children to be the best they can be. And so a God who just says, ah, who cares about sin? You you just do what you're going to do, and I'll catch you later, would be a terrible God. So this is what drove Luther crazy, that he knew that he was not up to God's standards. He tried. Oh, he tried. You know, he became a monk, gave up a promising law career to become a monk, to dedicate his life to the service of God. It wasn't enough. He tried to be the best monk. He tried, he was going to uh, pray harder than anyone else prayed, on his knees on stone for hours on end. He was going to fast until he was nearly starved to death. He was going to confess every tiny little sin that he could possibly think of to the point where his confessor says, go commit some real sins and come back later. As much as he did, it never was enough. He always knew that he fell short of the standards of his conscience. And in the end, he didn't know what to do. He was in despair. He was angry at God and angry at himself. But then the scriptures were open to him. You see, as a professor of theology, he had to read the Bible a lot. And he had to read the Bible a lot, not in the Latin translation, but in the original Greek and Hebrew. Hebrew. And as he was forced by his classes to read the scriptures, he started realizing that he was misunderstanding them for, for years. You see, whenever he heard the word righteousness in the Bible, it made, it made him feel something deep in his gut, like, ah, I'm not righteous, and God demands righteousness. Every time he saw this word, you know, it made him feel so deeply angry. But then he realized that that wasn't what the word meant. He was reading the text of our epistle lesson today. Uh, He says that he was reading this and says, Now the righteousness of God has been revealed apart from the law. He knew it. He knew the righteousness of God. God demanded perfection. Then you read further. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no difference. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. He knew that, right? He knew how far he had fallen short of God. And all are made righteous by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. All of a sudden he realized righteousness wasn't a demand. Righteousness was a gift. A gift. A gift by God's grace given because of Jesus Christ. And he said that for the first time ever his eyes were opened. For the first time ever he saw the light. It was like the heavens had parted and he could hear the angel choir singing. That all of a sudden he realized his question had an answer. How does one ever get right with a perfect God? Because God makes us perfect as a gift by his completely undeserved grace. It's an attitude within God that saves us, not something that is required of us. And all of a sudden everything changed for Luther. That all of a sudden he went through every single text of the Bible trying to see is this really true? And over and over again, he saw this. He saw in Ephesians, by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. Over and over again, he saw that this was the answer. It was not about him. It was about God. And this changed everything for him. And this new belief that he had, this belief that came out of the Bible, was summarized oftentimes by these statements with the word sola in them. Well, that's Latin. Sola means only. And so we summarize this faith with the words um, sola gratia, only by grace. That it's about what God thinks of us, not what we do, that has God reach down and make us righteous. Second, sola fide, by faith alone. How do we become part of this? It's not by our worthiness. It's by our trust, by faith alone, because trust, he saw, as being the fundamental thing that like little children who look to their parents in complete dependence, expecting everything from them, that is us, little children reaching up to receive the good gifts of our Father. By Christ alone, solus Christus, that this is not done by anything else other than by the work of Christ. Christ who became man for us, who lived a perfect life for us, who died for us, and who rose again for us, causing this incredible exchange that all of my unrighteousness gets unburdened on Christ, and all of Christ's righteousness gets laid upon me. That God no longer looks at me and sees a broken, unrighteous person that I am. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. And he looks at his son, and he sees all of the broken and hurtful things that I have done, And those things have been punished and brought an end, died on the cross and buried in the tomb. They are not mine, they are his, and they are gone. This incredible exchange, this is the center of everything. And how do we know this? Sola Scriptura, only by Scripture. We couldn't have figured this out on our own, but God has revealed himself to us. And by revealing himself to us, we can know We can hold on to those promises of God, the promise that it was to show God's righteousness at the present time, so that he might be righteous, and the one who makes righteous, the one who has faith in Jesus. That God is the one who makes righteous. It is a gift. And so how can we be inheritors of Martin Luther? How can we proudly bear the name of Lutheran? Not by imitating his life, not by trying to be like him in every way, by having that question in our minds, but even more importantly, the answer to that question. How are we right before God? Because God has made us right before him. And so this changes everything. I mean, think about it. If God has done everything, this changes how we look at our work. Our work is no longer trying to please God, but saying, I have nothing more to gain, and God needs nothing from me, so now I can look to the needs of my neighbor. This changes how we do church. Church is no longer, I have to be here to please God. Rather, this is a place we come to receive God's lavish gifts, the gifts of his word and the gifts of his sacraments, that every single part of our faith bleeds out from this one point, the broken heart of Christ for us, Through whose redemption we now have complete confidence, complete assurance that we are God's people, righteous before Him. And I can think of nothing more relevant than that. Amen.